It is the Banner 18 podcast right here, Sports Radio, WEI. It's Patrick Gilroy alongside Josue Pavone. And, and Josue, last time you and I were in here, uh, things weren't going quite as well for the Celtics. No, they, sort they of, weren't. They no. struggled out of the yeah. gate a little bit and p- panic ensued. But but here we are, the Celtics uh, now 6-2. and two. Still far from a perfect product, but... With each game, you can see the steady improvement looking more and more like the Celtics that we expected them to look like. Absolutely, and they're doing it against top-tier Eastern Conference teams, so that's a great sign, right, Patrick? I mean, my whole thing, oh, my my whole uh, maybe concern, you can call it, in the beginning was when you see them lose to a team like the Orlando Magic and you see them almost lose another game to the New York Knicks. Now, don't get me wrong, I wasn't concerned in the sense that, like, oh, this thing is not going to be as great as everyone thought they were going to be throughout the course of an 82-game season. However... I did think that those struggles would continue longer than they did, right? I mean, we thought that maybe they would drop a few here and there. That one-on-one back-to-back set against the Pistons, you would think that they would drop at least one of those. No, they they won both of them. Right. You know, against the Milwaukee Bucks. Undefeated Milwaukee Bucks. Undefeated Milwaukee Bucks. A team that obviously has short-term memory in the sense that they don't forget what happened in Game 7. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks. So it's it's impressive. I'm, I'm impressed with this team already. But in the same sense, I am still waiting for those losses to come along the road, those losses against teams like the Magic or maybe a team like the Knicks. We'll see. I'm not going to sit here and say that this team is ready to take down the Warriors in, in early November. But we, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But we did know it was going to be a process, Josue. And when you look at this team, you know we knew that the insertion of the two All-Stars back into the lineup and even to a certain extent, a guy like Daniel Tyson, we'll get to him in a little while, You know, it sucks for him coming off his best game. Now he's out for a bit of an extended period of time. He, people don't ever talk about Daniel Tice until you watch him play. Then you realize that he is a legit cog on this team right and he's somebody that they'll feel their loss but when you look at what's happening right now I find it interesting because the offense is getting better they're putting up a tremendous amount of points all of a sudden they struggled to score earlier in the season but still it's different guys on different nights in my opinion so tonight's particular game against Milwaukee what I was so impressed with was the fact that there were six Celtics in double figures that's what you're looking for from a Brad Stevens team that's ideal but I think it helped And I don't want this to come out the wrong way. But I think it helped that Jalen Brown sat out this game with the hurt foot, the sore foot. Right now, I feel like when they're out there playing, they're still trying to take turns and make sure that everybody gets there, so to speak. Mm. Nobody's being selfish. And I feel like a little bit of selfishness might be the right thing for this team to a certain extent. Well, that's what we saw with Kyrie Irving, right? I mean, that's what led to the 31-point performance. I mean, you don't score 31 points without being a little selfish. Sure. But after the game, he made sure that... Everyone understood that there's a there's a balance there, right, Patrick? You can't you can't go out and drop 31 and beat your opponent without developing those other guys, right? Because the way I see it, there's a trio of guys who sort of had the ceiling above them, a ceiling a ceiling that Kyrie Irving and the Celtics would like for them to reach by the end of the regular season, before the postseason. Because if some of these guys don't reach that ceiling, I don't see them having a chance against the Warriors. And these are the three guys: there's Jalen Brown. There's Jason Tatum, and of course it's Gordon Hayward. Now everyone's ceiling, so to speak, for this regular season is different than the other. However, I think Kyrie Irving has been amazing in his approach in implementing these guys and making sure that everyone gets their touches and everyone feels comfortable down the stretch where the games really start to matter. You know, April, May, June. Those three guys, you want them to be in a space where they're able to contribute at a high level and ready to come up big when their names are called. Completely different guys, completely different positions, but 
Kyrie Irving this year has reminded me of what Paul Pierce used to do. We used to sit here, and I called Paul Pierce a chameleon for years, meaning he gave the Celtics whatever the Celtics needed game in and game out. Uh, if they needed somebody to come in and grab 12 rebounds, well, then damn it, that's what Paul was going to do. If they needed a distributor, that's what Paul was going to do. If they needed somebody to drop 50, that's what Paul was going to do. And early on this season, that's what I've seen from Kyrie. Uh, he, this team has needed somebody to take a step back offensively and to distribute, facilitate, and get the other guys going. We've seen Kyrie score as few as three points, but that was a very impactful game for mm -hmm. Kyrie. Uh, he actually dominated to a certain extent offensively while still only scoring three points because he was drawing double and triple teams in the lane and kicking out to wide-open shooters. And that, that game, looking back now, Remember, the first few games of the season, the Celtics struggled big time from three. You go back to that game where Kyrie became the facilitator, all of a sudden three started going down. Open mm -hmm. looks started going down, and they really haven't stopped falling ever since. Right. But how much of you did you think that some of that had to do with maybe he's not, maybe the injury isn't completely healed? Like, was there a part of you that thought that maybe, okay, yeah, he's being unselfish, but also he's still trying to get his fatigue back? Was that part of the story as well? So, so it's funny because going into the season, Kyrie actually talked about his the shape that he was in. And Kyrie said that he was in what he considered the best shape of his career. He was able to, but he also said that he built his upper body a little bit. If you go back and you listen to the audio from August, he said that, uh, he put a lot of effort into his upper body because he had to let the, the knee heal. And I wonder if he put on a little bit of weight, you know, bulking up a little bit. Right. Because the fact is this, he was still able to get into the lane as quick as anybody. He still had his magic handle as, as well as he ever had it. But he didn't seem to have that last burst and that last bit of elevation that a guy of his size and stature needs. Right. And all of a sudden, though, he gets a little jab from Tommy Heinsohn. Yeah, he gets called out. He's right. dropped 31 and 28 in back-to-back -back <laughs> nights. And what's, what's awesome about that is not only did he put up 31 and 28, he hit shots when the Celtics needed him to hit shots. He hit big right. shots. Yeah, and he got it going from behind the arc. He did. You know? And that's and where he struggled. So did a lot of other players, right? <laughs> I guess the Bucks, man. They got a little... Yeah, they got a little too happy out there. Or, or, or is that something that you would like to see from the Celtics? All right, so this is something I wanted to get into with you because the Celtics, they broke a Celtics record tonight. They hit 24 three-point field goals. That is a Celtics record now, one that I think will be shattered again at some point this season. <laughs> but they took 55 shots. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be a Brad Stevens Celtics team if they didn't shatter that record at some point down the road. Uh, of course year. not. Yeah. It wouldn't be. Yeah. But they <laughs> jacked up 55 threes. And in the postgame, Kyrie was asked about it. And Kyrie, I think, I think in jest, but he said, no, I, I think we should take 80. And I know this is the new NBA, but is there a level of him being kind of serious there? Like, if there are more three-point field goals available for the taking, is this team comfortable taking more? Yeah, I think what he's trying to say is, listen, if the Milwaukee Bucks are going to challenge us, and, and he's saying this in like a, almost like he's insulted by this, if your defense is going to say, go ahead, beat us from there, we're going to take those shots. And Brad Stevens pretty much said the same thing. Not in those words. Yeah. Obviously, the way Kyrie Irving said it. He, he, what was the words he said? He said, uh, yeah, keep keep throwing them up. Keep it, keep it going. Because, look, if you're going to give us those opportunities, we're going to take them. However, against a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, my concern moving forward is what happens when they buckle down with their transition defense. Because that's been a part of the Celtics game that they sort of struggle with. When you got someone like Giannis running the floor, finishing strong, I mean, 14 points in the fourth quarter, they nearly blew that game. And then the narrative would be completely different, right, Patrick? I mean, if the Celtics were to, were to lose that game right, in I a know. game where you jack up 55 threes, 
I don't have to tell you what the calls are going to sound like calling into your show and telling you what's wrong with this team. Why does Brad Stevens let these guys do this? Why doesn't he have them slow things down? You know, so on and so forth. But look at the champions of the NBA right now. That, and that's the, the, the style. The State Wars. That's the yeah. style. That, that's the era that we're living in right now. I mean, was it Clay Thompson two nights ago? 14 threes. Ridiculous. I, I wonder if you're going to have a uh, the great story that we've always heard from Larry Bird and Kevin McHale, where Kevin went out and he scored like 56 points, and Larry went and he dropped 60 to break the record a couple days later. Right. I wonder when Steph's going to break this 14. He's not going to let that stand <laughs> for too long. They're going back and forth, man. <laughs> the Splash Brothers are on a whole nother level right now. So it is Sports Radio WEI, by the way, and this is the Banner 18 Podcast. My name is Patrick Gilroy alongside Josue Pavone. And Josue, one of the things that I think all eyes have been on uh, early on this season, of course, has been the health and well-being of Gordon Hayward. Mm. And Gordon's been, in some ways, uh, impressive, and in some ways, you know, he reminds you that you need to have some patience with him. Yeah, yeah. This particular game against Milwaukee, he steps up, scores 18 points, uh, winds up with five rebounds, four assists, and the best part about it wasn't necessarily his best offensive performance. That was good, but it was how fluid he looked out there. He looked comfortable in the offense. He looked like he belonged out mm. there. That, to me, is what stood out. Right. And he does have this unique ability to draw in the defense, and he is an elite passer when he draws in that defense. He can help this Brad Stevens offense in more ways than I think people realize. Yeah, I think when it comes down to his hockey assist, if you will, like that's that's the good stuff that you're going to get from Gordon Hayward. I mean, just the, the fact that he, he's able to uh, uh, draw so many uh, defenders, find the open guys, and he's finishing strong at the rim. You know, he's doing the, the, those reverse layups. I don't know if it's more of a self-conscious thing in terms of where, which foot he's going to land on, you know, but I think when you see stuff like that, it's, it's encouraging. We've seen that all season long. My only, uh, my thing with the with Gordon Hayward in terms of being patient with him is don't expect this guy to go off at some point here. Like, I mean, listen, we know what he did in Utah. We know the stories. We know what we saw, the all-star caliber season, the all-star year he had, I should say, but I just don't think that he, this team is... is is set up in a way to let him do that or or to have to depend on that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think he's going to be a 20, 24, 20, or whatever, 20-plus point scorer. We can't do that. No, I got to stop you. This has to stop because we already have Average Al over here. Okay, Lewis named him Average Al last year, and and Average Al was the highest-paid player on the Celtics, and now that that guy is Gordon Hayward. He's the highest-paid player. So you're telling me two guys here – are going to be considered average by people that don't watch this team because they're both going to put up unimpressive scoring numbers. Is that what you're saying, Josue? That's what I'm saying. And, and look, d- double you, your fun with Lou this year. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I, I can't wait for when he comes up with Hayward's name. <laughs> He'll have a whole other different name for Hayward. But it's the it's the truth. Listen, I get it. He's what the fourth highest paid player in the NBA. Yep. Not just the highest paid player on the Celtics, but in the NBA, he's up there. And that's what you have to live with. But I I say that as if it's a if it's a, a consequence for what the Celtics gave him, I mean, listen, this team is still going to win a bunch of games. This team is still going to sit at the top of the Eastern Conference when it's all said and done. And he is a big piece of the offense when I when I say that in terms of being that guy who can not only score from the perimeter, take the ball to the rim, but also create opportunities for his teammates. That's the Gordon Hayward that we're going to see this year. and He will be valuable. I don't think it's a coincidence, though, just the way that Gordon Hayward looked as comfortable as he did out there tonight on a night where Jalen Brown didn't play. Mm. And that, to me, has been the one logjam that this team and all of Brad Stevens' brilliance, he has been unable to find a way to get the best out of both of those guys on the same night. Mm. They both play the same position, and it seems to me that 
I'm telling you, you mentioned those three. You mentioned Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, and Jason Tatum. Not worried about Jason Tatum. He's been a little up and down, but he looks just fine. Mm-hmm. Gordon Hayward, I expect steady improvement throughout the season. Right now, I suspect he's about 75%, 80%. And by January, he'll be creeping up around closer to 90 95%. i am not all that worried about him. He is an established NBA veteran star. He will get there. I worry about Jalen Brown a little bit. To me, there's been a bit of a regression this year. And there really hasn't been much regressing in the first couple of years of his career. He took a monumental leap from year one to year two. And I think we all expected that leap to sort of grow at the same rate going into year three. And whether he's uncomfortable out there, whether he's unsure of himself, whether he's looking over his shoulder now that there's competition for playing time, I don't know what it is. But I've seen him do more standing around the three-point line than I've ever seen him do before. Sort of waiting for the play to develop rather than initiating the play Mm. himself, moving without the ball, being a better part of this offense. What's it going to take, in your opinion, to get both of those guys sort of firing on all cylinders? Or is this going to be one of those situations where some nights it's Gordon's night, some nights it's Jalen's night, and those two just won't be able to coincide and sort of get the best out of each other on the same night? I think you may see a lot of that. I, I do. I, I think if Jalen can solidify his role as 3 and D, then that's a win. I'm not saying this guy's going to lead the league in three-pointers, but if he can carve out this role of being that knockdown three-point shooter, which he's shown flashes of that. I mean, you look at his percentages between year one and year two, and there's there's plenty of improvement there. And obviously touches help with that. And now that those touches have, are, are limited with Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving back in the fold, it's going to take a little bit of adjusting on his part. However, I do think that seeing him knock down so many shots on a consistent level from behind the arc is encouraging. And I also think that, obviously, the guy can fly. He's athletic. He can, he can drive to the rim. I just don't see – I mean, they're, they're two very different players. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like with, with Gordon Hayward, like I said, more of a playmaker, more of a guy who can, you know, uh, knock down shots as well, more of at an, a, more of a, at a, at a, an efficient level. But with Jalen Brown – What's encouraging is not only if he's able to knock down three the threes at a consistent level, but his defense. I mean, this guy can keep up. We saw him kept yeah. up with LeBron James. He's elite. Yep. He was at an elite level. I mean, the LeBron James, the Kevin Durant in the world, those were his assignments, and he did pretty damn well at, at containing them. Yeah. So he held his own. That's how. You, that's the role you carve out for yourself at this point, and you see that obviously, like I said, he, there's a ceiling above him. We're not talking about a 27, 28 year old guy here. We're talking about someone who has plenty of growth. So it's going to be interesting to see how he's able to carve out that role. But ideally, that's what I see him—a a solidified three and D guy for the Celtics team. A couple more minutes before we get out of here. One guy that we have to mention uh, so far to start this year. He's been a downright star. What the hell has gotten into Marcus Morris this year? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. The BWA leader. I call him the Ice Cube of the BWA because he originated the name just like Ice Cube did with oh, yeah. you know the NWA. And, and, and he's not only embracing the role, but he is thriving in it. Yeah. Brad Stevens are already talking about six man of the year. When you hear that from your head coach in October, that speaks volumes. I mean, in your opinion, is does he have sort of free range out there when he's on the floor? Is there a bad shot for him, or does he have the green light every time? Every time he has the green light, yeah. and he's he's very very rare. You're going to see him pass that ball up. That's just that's just his role. And if it's not falling, it's not falling. You don't you don't pay too much. I mean, it doesn't cost you as much as it would for a starter. And and before people start, you know, if this Gordon Hayward thing. It, it, let's say he, you know, takes a couple steps back and, and and is not performing at the level that we saw him perform against the Bucks. Don't shake up that lineup. Leave Morris coming off the bench yeah. because you don't want to complicate things and put him in a starting five and then be in a space where you have to take him out and bring him back and forth. No, his head is in the right place. 
He's your leader of the second unit along with the other markers and Marcus Smart. Two words for you right there. Contract year. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Get that money, Marcus. Get that money, Morris. So we've talked a lot about the Celtics team and their their tough early season schedule, and it's about to get a lot tougher. Uh, the, The comforts of the Garden, they're great. But we all know the Garden is very busy this time of year. So the Celtics, they're forced to go to the road. They're about to embark on a uh, five-game road trip here, going to Indiana, going to Denver, going to Phoenix, going to Utah, going to Portland. I look at this, and I see a lot of sneaky good teams. There aren't really marquee teams, so to speak, on here, right? Not teams that casual fans are going to sort of jump off the page and say. Okay, yeah, casual fans. But but these are some some good teams. You've got got a second-tier team in, in, in Indiana in the East, but still, when I say second tier you know anywhere from fourth through eighth is where they're going to finish in the east they're a very good team uh denver they're a team on the rise a very good team phoenix is the the sort of bunny so to speak out of these but then utah utah is damn good Mm. and it surprised me last year how good they were in the absence of gordon hayward yeah but they managed to pull it off and pull it off in a big way they got Somewhat lucky in the draft, but it was a brilliant draft pick for them. Guys come in there, and he's been a legitimate star. He replaced Gordon Hayward nearly perfectly. Yep. And now Utah is a threat out there in the Western Conference. And finally, they wrap things up with Portland. Uh, this is not an easy trip. I mean, if you can get out of this road trip, I'm, I'm going to go light here. If you can get out at 2-3, and three, I, think you're, I think you're good. 3-2, and two, and I'm ready to throw the duck boats their way. <laughs> <laughs> Already in November, yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, those are some tough teams. I mean... Uh, the two teams that stick out the the most are, are definitely, in my opinion, Utah and, and Denver. Donovan Mitchell, man, what, what a what a player this quickly, and and they saw this. They they traded up to get him in the NBA draft, so that that they saw that one coming. So yeah, it's gonna be tough. I mean, two and three, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I'd be happy with that because that's how good these teams are. But isn't it funny how a lot of these teams, like you just mentioned, how they're they could be anywhere between the middle of the pack almost the top tier of the Western Conference or down at the bottom of the playoff picture. But look at how many teams in the in the Eastern Conference that the Celtics have already faced, right? All the top teams, and and I'm throwing, I'll throw Indiana in there right now because they're in the top five right now. The Celtics have had the luxury of facing all these teams, and we're in the first week of November. Right. I mean, th- this, this is what you want to see. When I saw the regular schedule, I was thinking to myself, this is perfect. Get all those tough games out there right in the beginning of the season, see where you're at, and progress from there. So it'll be interesting to see how the, everything unfolds out west. Real quick, you, you're talking about out west before we get out of here. Just I, I have an opportunity to do this, so I'm going to do it. I'm loving the Lakers at 3-5 and five right now. Uh, I know that there was a couple of people that picked them to be a top three, top four team out west. I, I, I'm talking about guys like Nick Wright, yeah, you know, who, who just can't get away from LeBron. Yeah, the LeBron uh, lovers, right. And LeBron, you know, he's having a really good LeBron year. It's you know His numbers look very much like LeBron. But I guess the experiment isn't working just yet. My question is this. We've already seen one NBA head coach fired this year, Ty Lue. He lasted six games. If this keeps up, how long until uh, my man Luke Walton is forced out by LeBron? Pink slipped. Oh, man. If they do Walton like that. Um, it's not they, but let's be clear. It's, it's LeBron, not they, yeah. it's LeBron. <laughs> and LeBron, he's got a 16-year track record of doing coaches dirty. Yeah, so. he does. He does. That's a long list of guys. Um, you think LeBron is going to take uh, blame for this Lakers tough start? Oh, absolutely not. No. No, no it's, it's, the, uh, <laughs> it's the surrounding cast. It's what you give them or it's the coach. Luke's fault. Um, January, let's say. Okay. Let's, let's put it at January, um, well below 500, or will you say 500? I'm going to say, look at it right now. Right now, New Orleans is 4-4, four and four, and they're sitting in the 8th spot. So I'm thinking that the Lakers are probably going to be somewhere 5 to 10 games below 500 at that point. 
I, I don't think I don't see the Lakers getting all that much better. Wow. I, look at Ingram has been somewhat disappointing this year. Uh, Kuzma has been okay, but again, you talk about Jalen Brown not taking that next step, that next leap. They're not either. They're sort of stagnant from where they were last year. Mm. And I've I've watched a few Laker games, and I feel like there's a lot of standing around watching LeBron, right. letting LeBron be the hero. The only guy that should stand around really is Rondo. Rondo is comfortable setting up that offense. Uh, everybody else, though, needs to be involved, and they're not right now. This is the LeBron show once again. And I look at it, and I think to myself, okay, look at the surrounding cast that LeBron had last year with Cleveland. It was as bad as any uh, surrounding cast that he's had throughout his career in Cleveland, and he still managed to, to fight and drag them to the NBA Finals. You would think that a surrounding cast now with the Lakers, with uh, Kuzma, with uh, Rajon Rondo, with, with uh, what's his name? Brandon uh, Ingram. Yeah, Brandon Ingram right. and Lance Stevens. You would think that there's, this team could at least compete at the same level that Cleveland did last year, but they're not. They look like a broken bunch right now. They've got moments of brilliance, but all in all, Joe Sway, I mean, dare I say, this could be the year where LeBron doesn't see the playoffs. Oh, man, can you imagine? It could be. awesome. be awesome. I mean, I hadn't projected just squeezing in, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, listen, this is a trial year, though. That's that's my only thing with this team. I, I just feel like maybe because it's a trial year, LeBron would be a little more patient. I mean, look, he's doing all these bunch of other things now. He's he's not as he's not as uh, uh, how should I say? Not I don't want to say not as committed, but he's got all the production deals going on. These documentaries he's producing the the barbershop TV show. I almost feel like LeBron's sort of yeah, Space Jam is coming <laughs> out soon. LeBron's already thinking about you know next summer who's going to join him or who's going to whether it's Kevin Durant or whether it's I don't know Kawhi Leonard or whoever. Name the, any upcoming free agent and, and plug them in, and we'll see what happens. But at the same time, I also think that this team is – I don't know. I think you're cutting last season's Cleveland team short because of Kevin Love, though. You really think this team is just as bad as the Cavs last year? They were pretty bad last year. They were pretty bad. Look how bad they are this year. The same team, less LeBron James. Yeah, that's All right? true. Yeah, I'm that's... telling you, and poor Ty Lue is without a job right now. Yeah, 0-6. <laughs> wow, they really gave him a short leash. Huh? That's it. That's I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you know what? Under 500, Walton will still have a job, though. We'll see, though. But there'll be a lot of rumors out there about him losing his job. I can't wait for those rumors. I, I want to see LeBron squirm. All right, man. That's it. That's been the uh, Banner 18 podcast. My name is Patrick Gilroy. Is. His name is Josue Pavone. We got something nice coming for you guys next week. We got T-shirts. That's right. right. So stay Some tuned. nice tees, too. But you want to find Josue on social media. What's your Twitter? At Joe underscore Sway, just like the way you pronounce my name. So there it is. And you want to find me at Gilroy on Hoops. You want to follow us both for your opportunity to get a hold of some sweet Sweet-looking T-shirts. So until next week, we're out of here. Bye-bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.